Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Game Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Morning. And Nathan. Hello. How are we, chaps? It's looking a bit dark out there. It's grim, isn't it? Mm. We just got that standard grey UK weather. It's a bit wet. Yeah, we went out yesterday. Very grey, very wet, mm. very windy, very cold. <laughs> Hated it. Well, at least we saw some pandas, so that was good. We did see some pandas. That was a nice surprise, yeah. Anyway, shall we move on to the first bit of news? Yes. So shall we kick off with the, the announcement by Sony? Mm. Oh, the big announcement. So they are buying Bungie. So this is from IGN. It says Sony Interactive Entertainment has announced that it will acquire Destiny developer Bungie for $3.6 billion. Following the deal, Bungie will be run as an independent subsidiary of Sony Interactive Entertainment and will remain a multi-platform studio with the option to self-publish and reach players where they choose to play. That's a very interesting way of going about business, isn't it? You would have thought it would be like a first-party thing, wouldn't you? Yeah. So uh, it makes me it wonder what's be. the point. It might sure be that Sony's trying to set like a president to say, we're doing this for everybody else. Because of Microsoft's recent acquisitions, please don't screw <laughs> us over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, the continue, it says here, we've had a strong partnership with Bungie since the inception of the Destiny franchise, and I couldn't be more thrilled to officially welcome the studio to the PlayStation family, said uh, SIE President CEO Jim Ryan. In the official PlayStation blog, Ryan begins by confirming Bungie's independence. I want to be very clear to the community that Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. Ryan also says that Bungie will sit alongside the PlayStation Studios organization, where the two groups will collaborate. PlayStation Studios will also gain access to Bungie's propriety tools, which can be used for PlayStation Studios teams, according to the blog. Mm. So the acquisition wasn't begun. Mm. For all the years, Sony had been trying to make a, uh, a Halo killer. And now mm. they thought that you know, the makers of Halo to make a new Halo killer. You know? well, there's been a little, I have to say there's been a lot of uh, numpties online who seem to think they bought Halo because of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, that's not no. No, that's not that. That was a long time ago that they did. Halo. Well, that's it. If it was the early two thousands, you might have a point. Yeah, but Bungie, I have to say, doesn't excite me personally because all I think, all I think now is Destiny. That's all I think of. You say Bungie, I just think Destiny. That's all I think of. Yeah, it's not part of the hype train, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I just don't care about Destiny. Well, they are working on a new IP. So we'll see what that becomes. But yeah, that, I think I'm with you on this one, Mark. All I think of is Destiny and that's it. Because mm. as we know, they don't do Halo anymore. And Destiny is pretty much all that they do by this other project they're working on. I know you like Destiny, don't you, Matt? So, Well, it's a, it's a solid shooter. It's a, I think the, the only thing they've got against it is that if you if you want like any low stuff, um, especially when it was like, the first one, let's like click these little card things then there was like oh go to the website to to read more on the, the law of everything that's happened it's like what i don't so want to do actually that. in the game <laughs> no it's, it's like you, you have to learn about it outside of it <laughs> i mean there is like the story in the game but like the more you know deep dive if you wanted to you've got to look externally in terms of like game law i really like recordings still like bioshock and um mm. even Horizon Zero Dawn, like that style of it. I'm not really into reading that much. So the audio side is the best thing for me. So what do we think of this 
buy out then? What's what's the next step, do you think? Well, the Halo and Call of Duty killer, obviously. That's what they're working <laughs> towards. No, but, but they're still going multi-platform, so it's not necessarily going to be a killer, is it, unless Sony makes something independent to them. Well, well, I, well the last bit that Mark mentioned is that they've bought Bungie's proprietary tools, mm. and they've got that in order to make shooters, so Sony might use that to create something. That's my thinking anyway. Could do, could do. Because as you've said, the gameplay is pretty solid, and if they can migrate that over and build on it, using some of PlayStation Studios and like putting their own story elements into it, I think they could make something really compelling. Do you think this might have also been with that in mind in regards to the Microsoft Activision Call of Duty thing? Maybe they were thinking Call of Duty might go exclusive. We need something. Yeah, it, it was a reactionary thing. I, I never would have put this together in a million years. I don't know, though, because like how... I mean, I don't know how they actually work, but like paperwork, negotiations, that like how long has this been in the works for? Is it necessary there was a reaction or is it already something before Microsoft said anything? Bungie had been looking for, for someone to sort of buy them up because I think they were in talks with Microsoft last year about it. But uh, Well, maybe Sony swept in then before. Maybe. Maybe Microsoft's acquisition was actually a reaction to Bungie. <laughs> like they knew maybe. Sony was buying them. Right, well, we'll just get these then. <laughs> Shall we continue with uh, Sony? So according to a Sony Q3 earnings call, PlayStation plan to launch 10 live service games by March 2026. Does this excite anyone? No, <laughs> don't like the sound of that whatsoever. Okay. Keep your live service games. By March 20... To be honest, I'd... I'd expect more than that before 2026 20, anyway, so they're going to do it. At least it's that few number, I guess. Well, it's about it's two a year, roughly, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, maybe, that's, maybe that's too many, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, due to the backlash of Battlefield 2042, um, there's been a refund petition that's gone out, and it's gaining some traction. It's got 150,000 signatures so far. In my opinion... I don't think EA is going to listen or do anything about this, but... EA, listen to the players. Come don't be now. silly. <laughs> You're living in dream world. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, we'll see how far it can go and if it actually does anything, but I can't say refunding anybody. No, they'll take the money and run. That's it. Mm. But sticking with Battlefield, uh, this is from... MP First website says, during today's quarterly financials call, Q&A portion with investors, EA was asked about the unit sold slash sales numbers of Battlefield 2042, and they refused to answer or give a definite uh, a definite number or estimate, and answered in a rather cheeky way, as EA EVP and Chief Financial Officer Blake Jorgensen said. And he said this, we're refraining from trying to give updates on units because we know that there are Remember, but he never finished that sentence. Remember, Battlefield is less than 10% of our revenue, so I'm not sure what you would do with that. Clearly, we sold less units than we thought we would, but what I would say is that, remember, these games are long tail, and our goal is to add new content, new ways to play, new excitements to stretch this out. That is a really poor set of comments. Yeah. I mean, even 10% revenue is a lot of money, and you'd want to know that information. Remember, these games are longer tail. 
Well, yes. well, when they come out like every two years. And to use the term stretch this out, that doesn't sound very great, does it? No. It's just EA trying to save faces in it and not admit that's been a complete failure. I wish they just held the hand up and said, yeah, it's a crap show. We're looking to correct it. I mean, even CD Projekt Red did better than this. I mean, didn't, um, weren't there supposed to be an update? Because one of the big things about Battlefield is the, um, the fact that they didn't have a scoreboard. Leaderboard. Yeah. And then they were going to do one this month and it's been put back a month. It's like, what? Yeah. How hard can it be to add a leaderboard? Well, clearly very difficult it appears. Just copy and paste it from one of the Battlefields. I'm not a developer. <laughs> it's because they never had it in mind to begin with. Stupidly. So that's why well, they, they tried to explain that, didn't they? Like, oh, it's it, lead, having leaderboards somehow promotes toxic behaviour because of, you know, people who don't do so well get, like, taunted by the better players. It's just like... Yeah, but they don't, though. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely pathetic at games. I mean, I've seen Call of Duty a lot, <laughs> never seen it for Battlefield because that's not the point. Like, KD really doesn't matter in Battlefield. It's all about... Objection. Uh, objectives. People seem to forget that you can you can turn like chat and stuff off in games, which is what I always do because I'm not interested in this to anybody else anyway, unless I'm in a party. So. Mm. And you even turn that chat off sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Uh... Pick, it, pick and choose your battles, Nate. That's it. Make a good point. I think we we mentioned on this podcast uh, a while ago. Um, of a um, there's a hacker um, on Nintendo uh, for Nintendo specific uh, that did sort of like who paid uh, like illegal ROMs and um, doing stuff on like the 3DS as well like um, oh what would you call it homebrew stuff I think but legally yeah. so the guy who's called uh, Gary Bowser funny enough had been sort of it's written in the stars yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it's sort of been arrested over it. I think they've been in court recently, and he has been handed three-year sentence or 40 months going to this. Do you know what? When, you, first, more than three years. when you were building up <laughs> to the sentence, I thought you were going to say, like, they're giving him the death penalty or something <laughs> for stealing some ROMs. I mean, it's, it'd probably be very Nintendo to do something like that because yeah. they're that protective over their IPs. I think the, uh, Nintendo was working with... The FBI over it as well, um, or at least most of what I can see is the US government over over it. Um, so he got arrested in September 2020. He appeared in court in last October. Uh, he was charged with 11 felony counts. Um, instead of facing trial, he pled guilty to two counts and offered to pay Nintendo 4.5 million dollars. Um, Nintendo was originally seeking a five-year term. But only got three. I suppose that's still a fair a fair amount for uh, for doing what he's done. So, do you think do you think this will sway the current people who have not been caught yet? I doubt it. I think if you if you're going to do it, you'll do it anyway. Yeah, mm. people are too far down the rabbit hole. People are just yeah. people. They'll just do things, won't they? Because they'll never think they'll get caught. Mm. Yeah. And then they do. Get the FBI at the door, kick your door down, check your hard drive. Just reading from the uh, the articles on um, VGC, uh, apparently in a, a separate court case ruling, uh, Bowser has been ordered to pay Nintendo Nintendo an additional $10 million fine. 
for his part in selling console mods. So, has he got that kind of money? Do we know? I, I doubt it. Probably not. Well, I think he, uh, I think he sold the mods that he made. So I don't know how much he he did make. Nintendo president, this is from Nintendo Life, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa has stated that the company won't be looking to buy up any external publishers and studios in the same way that Microsoft and Sony have. Uh, these aggressive moves have caused many to speculate if Nintendo will look to, uh, to make any acquisitions itself, but during Nintendo's investors briefing, Furukawa shot the idea down. He said, Our brand was built upon products crafted with dedication by employees and having a large number of people who don't possess uh, possess Nintendo DNA in our group would not be a plus to the company. So those are that. I'm not surprised that they've come out and said this because Nintendo seem to just be, they always tend to kind of do their own thing and be outside of like the normal space of right now Microsoft versus Sony. Mm. And they've got their own model and the way that they do things and I had no I was under no illusion that they were going to just keep to doing what they do best and leave everybody else to fight it out basically because they've got enough they've got enough games they've got enough IPs to keep them going for forever so they don't really need to make any of these acquisitions and if they were to make any of these acquisitions as they've said it just wouldn't I don't think it'd match Nintendo's brand very well yeah what what exactly would they go for if they were going to join join this arms race? Maybe a Sega. Sega, yes, decent show. I mean, they've Maybe. already got that deal, haven't they? Mm. With um, the Mega Drive and is it N64 games? Yeah. yeah. Doing on that pass thing, I can't remember what it's called. Expansion pass. I could see them going for like the the smaller Japanese companies that that have like they've been in. Um, partnership with all the like games and stuff like they definitely see um is it uh oh, the ones that make the the warrior games mm. kt i think i'm not quite sure that the whole acronym um but you know they, they've got a good partnership with them making the the warrior games recently as uh, nintendo based so i could see that um maybe even like the developer who did metroid dread as well Seems to have done a, a good job with the last two games it made on Metroid, so it could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe this bloke at all. <laughs> no, they're they're going to buy something. <laughs> yeah, if space. you do, but it's not going to be like I'd be surprised. Like the biggest surprise for me if they like turned down and said we yeah. bought Capcom, <laughs> bought Rockstar. Oh yeah, we, we bought TK. Oh, TK, TK yeah. sorry. Well, might as well get GTA Five and something else, haven't you? Yep. <laughs> the only place that GT5 is not on at the moment is the Switch. Give it time. Hey, don't worry, they'll have the cloud version up and running soon enough. Well, that wasn't the only thing from Nintendo, was it? Nope. No. There was a full blown Nintendo Direct that came out. Uh, yep. I know Mark was looking forward to it. Yeah, I watched it. Really? Not got much to say on it, but I watched it. I'll leave that to you, experts. Well, I think there were a couple of FIFA killers in there, weren't they? Mainly Mario Strikers Battle League. That looks quite fun. No, I've never played the uh, the one that was on the GameCube. Mm. I heard it they, was like good fun. Yeah, they bought one out on the um, Wii as well called uh, Mario Strikers. Um, I played that quite a bit. That was quite fun. Mm. I did get a little bit annoyed when um, the 
I think it was Waluigi started using his super move and he scored like six goals and I was just absolutely devastated. Like, this is not like proper football. And then I thought to myself, this is Nintendo. This is not like proper football. What did I expect? <laughs> but it's, it's good fun. Yeah. I like how you can use like the special moves and um, score like two goals at once. So that's kind of like um, in FIFA's equivalent, the, um, oh, what's it called? Mystery ball one. So that's mm. that's pretty fun. <laughs> Um, you can equip gear to your stats for your player. That looked pretty cool. Mm. What one thing that surprised me is that you could have up to eight players competing on a single switch. Like I didn't know how they'd actually accomplish that. Well, you just accomplish it like you would on FIFA. I didn't even take into account the online thing. In my head, it was like <laughs> right. It's only gonna be. Off, local. Offline, local play. Well, it Eight could still be local, drowning. don't you? But you just, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would sort of know where you where you play would be, wouldn't you? Mm. So, yeah, that's. Pretty I don't cool. think it would be too difficult. Like the yeah. pitches aren't that big, so. And the biggest selling point, he has a club option. Online so clubs. Actual rival. <laughs> exactly. Get marker switch. We can set up the joke yeah, and dolphin it. club, and then rise to the top. You can have we know that's 20... not going to happen, though. You know, we fla- flounder. We'll be fine. We're, we're, we're doing okay. We'd sink in the ocean and we'd be a dead dolphin at the bottom. Well, don't they the rise to the top the when they die? No, we'll, we'll just rise like a phoenix dolphin. Yeah. The phoenix dolphin. The phoenix dolphin. <laughs> yeah. So you can have up to 20 players in your club. I mean, we'd only need three, but but that's good. So you can get a good group of people together. And there's not long to wait till that's out, so 10th of June on that one. I don't know why they've said 20, though, because surely there's only like four that can play at a time. Yeah, but it's probably like a maximum amount, and if there's a couple of you on at a time, you can have a game. So you can just mm. fill your parties out a lot easier. Mm. That was cool. Mm-hmm. What interests you, Matt? Probably, probably the biggest thing that came out of it was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Mm, yeah, they showed that up at the very end. Mm. I mean, I've not even actually played much of, of two, even though I like, bought the special edition. <laughs> uh, it's it's a game that's in my backlog, but um, I will give it to Monolith Software, I think is the developers that they do make some kind of gorgeous looking overworlds. Like, I really like the look of everything. Um, yeah. No, I think I'll, uh, I'll definitely look forward to that one once they, once they announce more of it. There wasn't too much. It was just obviously a trailer. That's it. It was more uh, like cinematic, wasn't it? Than anything else. Yeah. I think they, they give a release date of... Was it September? I think. September, yeah. I don't think they give an exact date. I think it was just September. So. No, yeah. that looked interesting. Yeah. Well, good. Um, and we found out that we're not going to be getting a new Mario Kart anytime soon. Well, why why would you need need to when you're gonna eight uh, when you're gonna double double the previous game up to another forty eight tracks? Yeah, that's it. So they announced that we're gonna have some paid DLC for Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, and that, as Matt said, mm-hmm. we're gonna have forty eight new tracks, and and they're gonna be added up until the end of twenty twenty three. So it's kind of pushed that game's life on by an extra couple of years. Question: How many tracks are in the base game? Forty eight. Are they doing how many extra? Another 48. 48. Oh, right, doubling up. 
Mm. Okay. At what cost? So uh, I think it was twenty four ninety nine in dollars. Um, or if you've got the online expansion pass, it's included free of charge. So I can see what they're going to start doing with this expansion pass. Just, like, just pushing things on. Oh, all that. this DLC for this game could get it separately, or you get it for free if you have the pass. To be honest, it's making it a more no, it's but yeah, it that's a, the... a nicer offering because you've already got the Animal Crossing stuff on there, free of charge, and that's oh, yeah. normally about 15 quid. You've got the Mega Drive stuff, the N64 stuff, and uh, now this, it's it's making it into... I see what they've done. Like, I think, I think it's, a, it's a smart idea. Mm. How, how much is this pass thing? 79.99. Well, sorry, that's the family pack. I think it's... Is it about, about 25? 25 30 a month uh yeah sorry now i think that's the base one normally i think it's oh, more the than that one was like let me check 18 wasn't it what i'm thinking is that basically would i think i would rather just buy that dlc as a thing standalone thing rather than yeah. being part of a subscription where you're made to stay on it yeah because, I think I'd because do that myself, let's, let's just yes. say after a year uh, you stop using that subscription mm. then suddenly you've lost that dlc for this Mario car. Yeah. So then those 48 tracks are just gone. And then you'd have to buy it anyway. So that's... Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can see it from that point of view. I think it's... I, mean, if that's I the think they, they want it to be... I think they're trying to build up to be, I suppose, their own kind of game pass. But it's going to be for, like, DLC and extra stuff outside of just games. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than, like, you know, the N64 stuff the mega drive i'm sure i'm sure the next thing they'll add probably the gamecube or Game Boy will probably be on there as well so so i've found the information i've got it in front of me um you're pretty much right matt so for the standard online uh, where you get the snes and nes as part mm. of that package it's 17.99 for 12 months and then for the expansion pack um where you get the n64 um this new mario kai deluxe yeah the Animal Crossing and the Mega Drive stuff included, and the NES and SNES and online, it's thirty four ninety nine for twelve months. So, I mean, if you're going to use that stuff, then it's definitely worth getting if you are going to use what they've added on there. Yeah, I think I think through time the added value once they add more to it will probably justified. I think obviously when they first announced it, I, I don't think it was justified at that point but i think as time grows it you had more services to it um and stuff like you know america keep keeping that alive or extending its life they could do it to like other games as well if they wanted to i can certainly see it start being worth the uh the price yeah i think uh, i think outside of that at least they know the nintendo switch sports yeah that's what i'm gonna move on to yeah the successor yeah. to uh wii sports that actually did interest me. I did like the look of that. I'm up for the badminton. <laughs> finally, I was thinking the yeah, same. Finally, thing. Badminton badminton. Game. <laughs> it's what we need. So it's going to have um, six sports on launch. So we've got bowling, old classic there. Tennis, another one that they brought brought back. Um, Chambara. I d- didn't really know how to pronounce that. So that's that seems like more of like a, is it like sword fighting or something? Uh, it's a bit like fencing, isn't it, a little bit? Yeah. Mm. Basically, a lot of flying lightsabers, wasn't it? Yeah. Each yeah. Other. Just trying to twonk each other. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we've got football, as in English football, not hand egg. Um, badminton, which is one that we're all excited about. Volleyball, which they actually showed off during the event. I turned off at that point. I, I wasn't interested in that point. Oh, it, it was pretty fun. And then um, later on, they are going to be adding golf as like a free upgrade. So eventually we're going to have seven games in total. If I, I, I did see uh, I'd be getting that. Mm. Yeah. I, I could definitely see them adding more sports to it. I think a lot of people was wondering what had happened to boxing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Um, I could see them extending, you know, put boxing in. They could do all sorts of this. Really extend its life. Just add so much sports. Yeah. I'm interested to see how the uh, how the soccer one's going to work. Well, What's it gonna... seemed a lot like um, Rocket League in terms of its style to me. Yeah. Didn't mm. they say that with the physical version you get this strap thing? Yeah, so, so you like can strap leg. the Joy-Con to your leg, yeah. Mm. Oh, so you'd be able to, like, kick. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, I've got stuff like that on the um, ring fit. I've already got one of those straps, so. Yeah, it's a bit like that yeah, active thing I used to have for PS3. Did you ever use it? Yeah. Did you? Oh, I think I had something similar. Not very well, but I did. It was just in the box, <laughs> so you just yeah, ended up yeah. not doing much. Um, but yeah, that's, that's coming out on the 29th of April, so not too long to wait on that. There's actually a um, an open playtest, so on, from the 18th of February until the 20th, just so that they can see like server load and all that kind of stuff, because there is local and online play as well for this. So anybody with a Switch Online account is able to join that and give it a go if they want to. Might do that actually. I think is uh sorry, there's I think they've got free sports that's um that you can do on that one, I think. It was the it was Chambara, volleyball and I wanna say tennis, I think it was three. I could be wrong, but I think volleyball was definitely one because of the the them highlighting it more and how you play and stuff. So Yeah. Anything else that took your fancy Nathan? Well, we got to see more of Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That's That looks fun. Can't wait to play that. Honestly, do you know when Kirby starts sucking that car up, I thought, he's not going to become a oh, car, what? is he? Excuse me? <laughs> what? You should choose your words carefully. <laughs> well, that's what Kirby does. I know. Spawn, spawn Absor- the... Uh, absorbs the, the car, if that makes you feel any better. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> You're not going to be able to drive around, are you? And then you start doing it. I'm like, what? Um, and Kirby can also become a cone as well. Um, so she can, she, he, it, Kirby, can smash into enemies <laughs> as a cone. And there was one where it absorbed a load of water, so you can like spray loads of enemies. There's a vending uh, machine. Yeah, the vending, vending machine, machine one as well. Looked, looked quite funny. <laughs> and then was, was it a light bulb or something? Or did I get a couple yes. of them? No, there was a light bulb one as well to light your way across these like dark paths and stuff. And then was um, they a bit on a boat, like a ring? There were ringers. Oh Kirby yes, ring, ring Kirby. Yes, there was a ring one. There was a there was an arc arc one, I think. Like you could like fly, fly around. Yes. Yeah. Was that one? Um, I don't know if there was any others. There might have been. Mm. But then they they also showed um so like some of the base um, abilities that you can get by absorbing enemies, you can upgrade to be more powerful versions. So like they were showing off the, it was like a basic fire one that turned into like a volcano uh, one. And then there was, um, there was like an ice one, different abilities and stuff. 
And then I think they showed as well, you could you could then upgrade that like second base to an even more powerful one. I think they used the volcano one as example to have like be able to shoot like blue flame and then be able to fly fly around as well at the same time. It does look pretty good. Like I've never I've never played a Kirby game, but like this one's definitely like might be the one that breaks the duck for me. So it looks really good. I take it yeah. you've played Kirby before, nice. Yeah, yeah, I've played like the, the platforming ones and like this is kind of like the next step above in terms of anything that I was gonna say is this is ever been a, done before. Is this a bit of a departure? Yeah, yeah. Because it's normally like more of two D platforming and this one's like taking it to the three D space and adding all these elements. Um like that mouthful mode where Kirby can absorb bigger items and um just be able to traverse a lot more and the levels seem absolutely massive in comparison so yeah it's, it's definitely if you've not played a Kirby game before I think this is a really good like entry point because it seems like it caters to a lot of people plus it's now spawned uh spawned the meme Kirby Kirby <laughs> yep. oh, I've not seen that oh it's just the when the Kirby absorbs the car that's oh, that oh, I thought there was no yeah. particular meme about it. I'm not. No, seen. no, that's that's just the the meme that spawned now. Fair enough. <laughs> Again, it's not long to wait for that one either. The 25th of March. Things just keep coming oh, thick and fast. Yeah. Insane. Certainly interested over the free update that Metroid Dreads game. Yeah, they've Quite got a mode for you and a mode for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got they've got Dark Souls mode and. Um, Mode. Mode. Rookie <laughs> mode, I think they called it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah rookie mode. The very easy mode. Um, but so I think that's good. Like... There's nothing wrong with having a rookie mode. No, no. I think if anything, it'll, it'll, it might actually entice people who are a bit, mm, this looks a bit hard to like, oh, yeah. okay, this could, this could be good. Apparently yeah. that's going to be, well, this is sort of slight sidetrack, but apparently that's going to see through as well. Yeah, be, I saw uh... that. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Because apparently it's been received really well, but the difficulty is um, yeah, and that's kind of put me off. off. It's kind yeah. of put me off buying it for the moment. Because <laughs> it, it does look like a great game, but mm-hmm. if it's going to be that difficult, then I know I just get angry with it. So we'll wait on. <laughs> yeah. That. Anyway, that's a Nintendo. So other than the new rookie mode, we've got the the dread mode, um, which is one hit chaos in this. So if you get hit once, that's it. Game over. Which is probably still a mode that I won't try. <laughs> That's the well, at least too once, just give it a go and see. Go. Other than that, there's also a new separate mode that's going to get added in April, uh, which is the boss rush mode, um, where you fight the bosses kind of one after the other. Which sounds cool. Be a nice little challenge and stuff to go through there. I will say the the Nintendo Switch does seem to be becoming the like go-to console for ports now. Yeah, we've got like the Portal compilation collection. Yeah. Well, sorry, that. the Portal companion collection. Oh, yeah. So we've got Portal and Portal 2 that will be coming to the Switch. Um, they announced Assassin's Creed, Clon- the SEO collection. Yeah. Was that as well? Uh, Klonoa 1 and 2. Yeah. That's coming. Chrono Cross. That's also coming. Although I think that might be a slight remake or, or not remake. Might be a slight remaster from the PlayStation Edition. Star Wars Force Unleashed. Uh, that's coming. Uh, yeah. to be from the Wii version, because I don't remember that game looking so bad. 
Yeah, they said like they ported like the Wii stuff over as like a base. Yeah. And like even on some of like the shots that they show, we were like, ooh. Yeah, they also um, said that, that we're putting all of the um, Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts games like on the cloud. It's not something I'm yeah. interested in personally, but another one to add to like the collection list that they've done. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think some people are a bit disappointed that it's only the cloud version though. Yeah. It's like at least with like, you know, 1.5 and 2.5, you'd have thought. The switch would be good enough to run them without needing to be on the cloud. I hope. Um, we had No Man's Sky as well, which I think is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I think that would be on there. Yeah, I think that was it. Then, I mean, there was a couple of remakes as well. It's got announced Front Mission first and number two coming at some point in the future. Live, live as well. Apparently that's a remake. That looked quite good, actually. Um, all the different paths you could take in terms of the game, like it looked like there was like a load of different options you could do, which was fairly interesting. Mm. No, certainly. Apparently, it was. It has been like a Japan-only um, game for a long time, so it's nice to get some of that stuff. And obviously, I think maybe a big announcement for Earthbound fans. Yeah, definitely. You can finally Earthbound? play that on the. Um... Yeah, uh, SNES wasn't it? I think it was the SNES one. And then there's Earthbound Beginnings, which is on the NES. Yeah. Just funnily yeah, enough, just in regards to Earthbound, I recently bought that for the SNES and I've started playing it. So it was like a oh, bit yeah. of a surprise that they decided to add it on to um, the Switch Online. I mean, it's good because if you go and try and buy that game in America, you're looking about a grand. It's just mm. insanely expensive. Well, so. it's rare, I think, as well, Earthbound. I think it's actually quite rare, isn't it? Um, I think it's because it came out fairly late in the Super Nintendo's life, and a lot of people had already transitioned over to other consoles at that stage. Mm. So, but it's a good, it's a good game. I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah. I'll have to give it a go on the uh, on the Switch. Mm. Should we move on to more news? Sure. Shall we head to the world of NFTs again? Do we have to? Yeah. It's going to be a normal segment now. So, uh, we reported on the last episode. Was it the last episode or was it the episode before? I can't remember. That the uh, voice actor, Troy Baker, was going to get involved in a mm. uh, NFT company, Voice First, it was called. Yeah. Uh, but now he's pulled out of it. And uh, so he said this uh, Thank you for all your feedback and patience. He tweeted, After careful consideration, I've decided to not continue the partnership with the Voice First NFT. Intentions aside, I've heard you and apologise for accusing anyone of hating just by simply disagreeing with me. Right decision, but I'm not going to congratulate anyone. But yeah. what, what, I, what I don't understand is that, you know, he was saying, oh, I, don't, I didn't really understand it to begin with. So it's like, why would you get involved with something that you didn't understand? Uh, Money. I don't, but, yeah. uh, I mean, you could say money. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, li- I listened to, to the podcast that he was on. Uh, well, no, I, I, watched, I, I watched it as well. Yeah, I, I could see. I think I could see his intention. I think I think there was there was meant to be a, a good idea behind it. But if if you don't understand NFTs initially, then it's you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but the NFT saga continues because uh, Team Seventeen, known mostly for worms, mm-hmm. uh, they were set to launch a series of limited edition NFT collectibles based on the long winning worm series, the Meta Worms Collection. 
will, uh, will consist <laughs> of unique computer-generated artwork, which will be sold and protected on the blockchain with support from Reality Gaming Group. Uh, the company utilizes its own sidechain, what are all these words, of the Ethereum <laughs> mainnet, which allows for reductions to the amount of energy used to generate unique NFTs, whatever. Uh, however, less than 48 hours after that, Team 17 then posted this. Team 17 is today announcing an end to their Metal Worms NFT project. We have listened to our Teamsters, development partners, and our game communities and the concerns they've expressed, and have therefore taken the decision to step back from the NFT space. When are these companies going to learn? Well, that, that was short-lived. You'd have thought yes. they'd have listened to their teams and developers before actually announcing this to say <laughs> that they didn't want to do it. Well, apparently expressions were made beforehand, but they just ignored them. Because that's what heads of these companies do. They ignore people below them. But, <laughs> yeah. But it rumbles on. So... Now, it turns out video game composers have had their music sold via NFTs without their permission. So the platform HitPiece uh, allows users to own a song, build your unique playlist, and join an artist's community, according to its Twitter page. Uh, but it appears to be scrubbing Spotify for music and selling it illegally as NFTs. That includes video game music, along with Disney tracks and more. Composers have since hit back at the platform on social media. So one uh, Twitter comment was, just so you know, uh, at join hit piece one of the tracks you're selling that appeared on is owned by blizzard entertainment who are now owned by microsoft good luck with that said grant kirkhope <laughs> the bafta nominated composer for world of Warcraft, oh Shadow yeah Ones, banjo kazooie donkey kong yeah, and all. i like and, this music. and uh, david wise another donkey kong composer also responded please spread the message far and wide that join hit piece are attempting to sell digital digital assets they simply cannot legally own uh, there is no legal organisation with authority to authenticate these transactions and no existing contracts between composers, performers or publisher. And then finally, Gareth Coker, who composed the music for the Ori and Halo games, among others, said, The website Joy Hitpiece is garbage, selling slash hosting NFTs after doing a bot scrape of the entire Spotify catalogue. So many affected, absolutely no way I or publishers would endure this. Ori, Halo and Ruin King soundtracks are up there for starters. A joke. Take it down. The Hitbeast website is currently unavailable, perhaps in response to a backlash from composers and artists. But yeah. Well, I mean, the music industry is one that you don't want to annoy because <laughs> they mm. really bite. As one final bit on the NFT. So, an unofficial Minecraft server. So, this is uh, called Blockverse, a play to earn PvP Minecraft server that has restricted access to those who own a relevant token. Uh, enthusiasm for Blockverse was high. The initial supply of 10,000 NFTs priced at 0.05 Ethereum, which is currently $124 power, uh, each, reportedly sold out in less than eight minutes. But just a couple of days later, the project's creators deleted their website, Discord server, and game server and disappeared with the money. The initial, saw that come in. the initial supply mm. sale knocked up 500 Ethereum, which works out to more than $1.2 million. After three days of silence, the Blockverse founders resurfaced on Twitter to apologise and explain their actions. They claimed that everything was legitimate and going well, and that after the launch of their NFTs, they returned to work developing and expanding Blockverse. But shortly after the first round of NFTs sold out, they began receiving complaints about gas fees, a service charge for generating, buying or selling NFTs, being too high, inadequate player capacity on the Microsoft server, and a lack of utility for the diamond dollar tokens generated by the game. I don't know. 
but and this uh, this is this quoted this they said uh, the fear uncertainty and doubt quickly descended into harassment threats and doxing the creators wrote the team noticed all this and panicked deleting the discord server on impulse everything else was closed to prevent the continuation of harassment that occurred so far even then the plan was to reopen once everyone had tried to calm down why would you why would you just initially just do that rather than just yeah saying something <laughs> Rather than just taking everything down, going silent for a few yeah, days. Yeah, they just pulled the rug out from everyone. Which like fuels the fire. Looks, looks dodgy, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it's well dodge. But yeah, that's your stories of NFTs. You'd think they'd learn with like how many gaming uh, companies they've already tried to do it, and then all the backlash they receive, and then have to reverse. Is what people are doing is they're just dipping their toe in, aren't they? Just see, can we get away with this? And well, that's so, everyone thinks they're different, don't they? So they think, oh, it'll be different when we do it. Yeah. They dip toe in, they get bitten by a shark, and then they pull it out and slice it. We're done. Unless yeah. you're Ubisoft, in which case you continually dip mortals. <laughs> yeah, you just dive head first. Much, yeah. <laughs> just go straight into the shark. <laughs> yeah. Shall we move on to GTA? So they have recently mm. hit a milestone. So they've sold 160 million copies, which is nothing to be sniffed at. How are people never... still buying this game? I think we talked about this previously. We're also part of the problem because we've got it about four times each. Yeah. Well, I know, but like we're in the year 2022 now. Like, who does not have a copy on at least PC or PS4 or Xbox One? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, not only that, there was more news about GTA, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. So in one of the few acts of communication, Rockstar posted... <laughs> an update on their website, uh, the Rockstar Newswire. Uh, most of it was filled with crap about like the million sports car that you, they've added to the game and how many shots cards you need to buy with it. Uh, but it finished with this. What's next? With the unprecedented longevity of GTA 5, the unprecedented longevity of GTA 5. We know many of you have been asking us about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project we embark on, our, our goal is always to significantly move beyond what we have previously delivered. And we are pleased to confirm that active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway. We look forward to sharing more as we as soon as we are ready, so please stay tuned to the Rockstar Newswire for official details. On behalf of our entire team, we thank you all for your support and cannot wait to move into the future with you. Rockstar Games. Um... It's Grand Theft Auto Online 2, isn't it? This is what I'm going. Yeah, this is what I'm going to move and say is that I'm. I have to say this is one of the very few times where I've ever been excited about a Rockstar project. There's just something about it that does not entice me because I've seen what they've done now. Well, yeah, that's it. Well, the longevity is down to them. At yeah. the end of the day, that's why GTA 5 has been going for nine years. Because there's a number of reasons. Obviously, there's the mass monetization of GTA Online. The, the lack of updates for Red Dead Online and the horrendous release of the GTA Trilogy, Definitive Edition. All that culminated is just not made me as excited about a Rockstar thing as I should be. I mean, they used to be like a dead cert for pre-order for me. Yeah. Because you knew, you knew from like a single player standpoint you were going to get mm. something of absolute quality. You, yeah. know, the, the, you know, the original GTA Trilogy, both Red Deads, single player campaigns, brilliant. But over the past couple of years, it's really taken a note to dive, I think. Because there's been some pretty high-profile people who have left Rockstar now. Mm. Like senior creators and directors. Yeah. Who were like the heart and soul of those franchises. 
and they've gone now. And since that happened, I've not seen anything great come from Rockstar. I think the the way they've been acting has just been garbage in their updates and how they've treated fans. And people keep referring to this game as GTA 6, and as you're saying, I just I just see it being some sort of GTA Online 2 thing. Yeah. With just like some sort of story integrated into that somehow. Well, that's it. Yeah, there'll be like some heist or something that you got to do to, as like an entry point, but it'll just be. I think it'll be full of season passes. It'll be free to play, and they'll just be pushing shark cards so you can buy everything, and and that'll be. I just think it'll be a husk of what GTA used to be. Mm. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but it's it's the way they've led me to believe now. Yeah. Well, the track record from the last few years doesn't seem to bode well, well for it. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you think it could be um, some of some form of like hybrid game where it's like there's the single player campaign, but then there's like a live service kind of mashed into it as well? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking it's basically going to be a hybrid. Yeah, well, it's going to be it'll be an an online thing, but yeah. there'll be like some story element weaved into that online. So you probably have other players in your game. Well, there was um, there, there was mention of it. I remember reading um, a while back that I think what what they want for GTA Six is that like the the world is always kind of evolving and expanding depending on actions that you take. Is that that's it appears to be live service? Yeah, which is doesn't examine as we mentioned earlier about the Sony thing. No. I mean, one thing I would enjoy is if. It, it did have like a really good single player campaign, but if, for example, you guys could come and join me on a mission in that single player campaign or something. What, so we each play Franklin, Michael and Trevor? Yeah, for, for example, <laughs> yeah, we could do it that way. But it goes towards like the main game rather than us do, doing the online side of it and doing like heists and things like that. Yeah, yeah, sort of makes sense. Well, you, you can do it on your own if you want to, but if you've got friends, you can work together and it can make it a bit easier. I, I think yeah I think if there's if there's a way to have um like a, a toggle between okay I want to do single I can see like a single single player aspect of it it'll be like it won't be um preset characters I can imagine you you, you create your character and then you just do jobs for them and you'll have like you won't be silent this time your character actually has voicing because it's a bit awkward in the GT online well, you stuff. Just nod <laughs> well, you're just nodding, or you're just kind of just <laughs> looking around and stuff. Um, but if they could have like some sort of toggle, like okay, I want to do, I want to do all the stuff single player. I don't want any you know in, interactions with people outside of that. And then you know, if you did want to toggle, okay, I want to toggle with friends. So my friends are in my my campaign. They're helping me with what they need, why I need to do and stuff. It kind of it still keeps the story going. So it feels seamless between if you're doing a single player or multiplayer. Or then you can have a talk of like, okay, now I'd, I want to be put into all of the online, but the single player missions still take place, maybe? Sounds nice, but I can't see them doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of effort on their part to try and implement Well, those. they've got a lot of money and, and years to, to be developing it. So. But when realistically do we think we're going to be released for this? 2024, 2025, maybe. Yeah, maybe we've just been really negative on this. Well, it's just the way it's been, isn't it? 
I think it's just the it's the trust, isn't it? You know, I think how they've handled Red Dead Online hasn't been brilliant. Definitive edition shocking. That was uh, what even thinking with that. The worst reviewed game of twenty twenty one. So they're gonna have to do a lot to to bring the favor back. I can I can easily imagine though, as soon as that first trailer hits. Everyone's gonna have their mind yeah, blown. Yeah, everyone's gonna be hyped. Yeah, and just everyone's gonna be it. massively hyped. Just like, yep, yeah, no, this is gonna be game of of the generation again. But I'm adamant. I'm not gonna pre-order this. No, but I'm just, no, but I'm just, I'm just saying like normally when it comes to Rockstar, you you had yeah. you, ha- you had that belief in them that what they were gonna release is gonna be top quality. And what whatever you say about GTA Five now and the monetization and all that, the single player campaign is great, really enjoyable, yeah. really quality, and that's what I buy the game for. This now, I don't think we're going to get that. And that's the thing. That's the key thing for me. Mm. I'm, I hope I'm completely wrong, but it's just the way it is at the moment. So until we actually see some concrete evidence that there's going to be some... I mean, they always tend to release these videos, don't they? Shortly, beforehand, explaining different parts of it, of the game. So I guess we'll have to wait until that, but we need more details. But so far, unsure. Worst case scenario... You have to. It is a mandatory purchase of an NFT to get a character to start the game. No, it's not how they work. Stop it. Shall we move on to something that uh, Microsoft have said? Because this is very interesting. So on the Microsoft blog, we have had confirmation about the whole Call of Duty situation. So mm-hmm. once the Activision Blizzard deal goes through, and they said on their blog this: to be clear. Microsoft will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any existing agreement with Activision. And we have committed to Sony that we will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future, so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games they love. We are also interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. We believe this is the right thing for the industry, for gamers and for our business. So there you go. We have an answer. It will continue being on PlayStation called Duty. I think all in all, it's uh it's good news for everyone, I think. Yeah, I mean I do prefer playing it on PlayStation. I prefer I do like the uh the Xbox pad, but I prefer playing first person shooters with the PlayStation pad. Feels better for me. Because I like to flip the um triggers. That mm. to me just feels better on the PlayStation one. But that's just me. But it's good in general. Isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people are going to carry on that, and that question we could put to bed now. Yeah. We'll just have to see what what the other things they're going to make exclusive are now, though. But yeah. I think smart. It's smart from them to do that. Well, you just think of all the money they'd be leaving on the table if they didn't make it exactly. multi-platform. Exactly. Exactly. It just makes economic sense, doesn't it? Uh, you can make that argument for the um, first though, can you? Like how much money are they, are they leaving by making Starfield exclusive? I know, but it's a single player game, isn't it? This is like a multiplayer thing where you're going to get loads of people playing it. Uh, true. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see the sales figures for like how well do Bethesda games actually perform on be, between platforms. I mean, let's be honest, Call of Duty is just it's just a thing on its own. It's just it's just this own entity, isn't it? So well, yeah. it's just everywhere. You, you can't escape it. So you. You might as well keep it on everywhere you can possibly can. And they're going to be getting money from it anyway, even on other platforms, so mm. why not? 
I think I think Phil Spence came out and said he would like to put Call of Duty on Switch. It probably would. Yeah. Yeah, maybe when the Switch Pro comes money. out. Yeah. No, I should do a cloud version. I'm sick of cloud versions now. I want the <laughs> Switch Pro. Speaking of cloud, Stadia. Yeah. Stadia. Our good friend Stadia. Yeah, Stadia has been in use again. So this is from Eurogamer. It says Google has reportedly deprioritized its consumer-facing game streaming platform Stadia and now has a reduced interest in negotiating blockbuster titles for the service, having largely shifted its focus to selling the service's underlying technology to third parties. Uh, the extent of Stadia's failings started to become clear when the company announced it was closing its first-party game studios uh, less than 14 months after launch, with subsequent reports claiming the streaming platform was missing its targets for monthly active users by hundreds of thousands. Although Google continued to insist Stadia was alive and well as 2021 progressed and launched a variety of initiatives to bolster support for the service, including timed, limited demos and revenue schemes for developers, a new report by Business Insider claims the company has now deprioritized the service internally and has diminished interest in securing blockbuster third-party titles to boost its library. Less than 20% of the Stadia team's focus is now said to be on the consumer platform, with the remainder on tech sales. It's just an outright failure, this thing, isn't it? What was the point? The one question I've got is, what, what are they talking about with these blockbuster titles? Because all I see is Wreckfest and Saints Row 4, and then that's it. Hitman. Destiny 2. Great, we've rattled four off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Massive. Uh, one, was it Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well? Was was a big one at the start? In the, end, it? it's gone, in the <laughs> end, it's gone nowhere, has it? So... Yeah, they just need to kill it with fire. Get rid of it. Oh, they're doing that anyway, aren't they? It's, it's pretty much what they're doing. Quicker. Yeah. Let's go and bury him in the desert. That's it. Next to ET. Yeah, yeah. it's where it belongs. <laughs> it's a shame because, oh, in premise, it was a really good idea, and I wanted it to work. Was it? Was yeah. it a good premise? Yeah, just. Being able to go play a game on any, pretty much any device that you wanted, and for it to be good quality and simple. Because like when I set this stage up, I didn't think it was that difficult. You go on your phone and, and flick through the games. I want to play that, and then it shows by your telly, and off you go. You're playing games. You didn't have to pay like four or five hundred quid for a new console. I found teletext games more entertaining than the city. <laughs> <laughs> I. I just didn't like the thing. But, you can't draw yeah. playing Leisure Suit and Larry. That's a decent game, that. Don't put Leisure yeah, Suit and Larry don't, down. Don't knock it. That's why I said I'd rather play it than other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they should get that. Blockbuster yeah, get title that right it. there. Yeah, get on there. That, that, yeah, that convinced me to put Stadium back on. Should we just swing it around back to Microsoft a little bit? Um, so, going to an article on uh, VGC. Um, the original composers of the Halo music are looking to sue Microsoft, basically uh, due to um, how the way they've been using their music. So I'll just I'll go over the article. Um, so the original composers of Halo's iconic music have sued Microsoft over alleged unpaid royalties dating back 20 years. Uh, Marty O'Donnell told Eurogamer that he and fellow composer Mike Salvatore filed a lawsuit in June 2020 after spending 10 years failing to make headway in discussions with Microsoft over their claims. 
the composers say they licensed the Halo music to original Halo developer Bungie, which went on to be acquired by Microsoft ahead of the launch of the franchise in 2001. Uh, at the time of the acquisition, O'Donnell had just become a full-time Bungie employee, serving as the studio's audio director. Salvatore remained independent, working at O'Donnell Salvatore Inc., which O'Donnell also remained a part of. Microsoft is reportedly arguing that the Halo music was created under a work-for-hire agreement rather than a licensing one, and that is therefore qualifies as the author of that work. Uh, it was never work-for-hire, O'Donnell claimed. It was always a license deal. Uh, O'Donnell has said that the lawsuit isn't about he and Salvatore attempted to claim ownership over the Halo music. Instead, they pair, the pair claimed that they haven't been paid royalties owed over many years. Uh, the lawsuit accuses Microsoft of breach of contract, breach of, breach of fiduciary duty, I've probably said that wrong, uh, to develop the royalty income in a joint venture, breach of duty to act in good faith and fair dealing, failure to provide an accounting partnership, unjust enrichment and tortuous interference. Uh, should a settlement between the companies fail to be agreed during meditation, which is scheduled to take place next week, the case could end up in court. The report has also revealed that the composer's legal team has been instructed to explore whether a preliminary injunction could be granted to block the release of Paramount's Halo TV show, which is set to debut on March 24th. Hmm. So, sounds like this has been on been ongoing for quite some time. It'd be interesting to see which, which way it seems to go if, if it does end up in court. Um, they'll settle way before that happens. Yeah, I think they'll settle mm. that cool. I do think I do think the pair probably have a, a, a good leg to stand on if they feel that they create the music under uh, Bungie as like a full-time employees. Because I think that's that, that seems to be the argument is that uh, Microsoft feel that it was it, they they were made as a sort of a part of a hire, so technically the music would belong to them because they bought Bungie. But they're saying they made it at the time while being Bungie employees, so therefore they obviously have a bit more rights to it than, uh, than what Microsoft feel. But it seems interesting. It's, it's been going on for a long time, though. You'd have thought. Yeah. You'd think when Microsoft bought Bungie that they would have bought any rights to an intellectual property that was done before the acquisition. Mm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not too sure what the, the, the legal... I suppose rights are for for them creating the music under Bungie and how much they they actually get to sort of own it compared to what Microsoft feel they they they've got. But so um, well, they must think they've um, got a case, otherwise they wouldn't be bringing it forward. Well, that says isn't it. So um, be interesting to uh, keep an eye on that one to see how it how it pans out. I reckon, yeah, settle out of court, undisclosed fee, and then that'll be that. Off we go. Well, talking about resolving lawsuits, got one here for uh, for Capcom, who've been in a bit of trouble. Uh, so uh, I don't, I don't know if I, I might, we might have talked about this in a previous podcast, but basically, a photographer um, has accused Capcom of using 80 plus texture kind of files without permission. Um, and this all came about due to Capcom's big uh, big data breach that happened a couple of years ago now. It feels like it was only yesterday since this happened. 
Um, but basically, uh, designer Judy Jurek uh, filed a lawsuit against them, alleging that photos from her copyrighted book, Surfaces, were used um, without her permission. Um, and in the lawsuit, Cap- Capcom have amicably resolved it, uh, potentially paying, up, well, the lawyers for the designer wind up to $12 million in damages and a further 2500 to 25000 for each photograph that Capcom used without permission. It's just, it's funny how, like, this, this would only have happened because of the data breach. Yeah. Like, had that not happened... Nobody would have known. Yeah, Kevin would just walked away from it. Because sure, he should uh, should be stealing people's other work, uh, other people's work, I should say, without permission. Otherwise, get sued, son. Mm. If I'm to stick to Resident Evil as well, uh, rumors seem to be going around about the Resident Evil 4 remake, and they could be announced very, very shortly. According to an article in VGC again. We'll just go for it. That according to a new fanbyte report, collaborating a VGC report from last year, which claims Capcom is planning to adjust the tone of the classic Resident Evil game instead of developing a shot-for-shot remake of the title. Also saying that the remake will reportedly be real this year and make some changes to the original setting. VGC had reported in 2021 there was internal disagreements with Capcom about the direction of the project the company's own prediction team preferring to develop a game that was inspired by the original but incorporates new elements with Resident Evil 2's Mr. X as an example. Um, Bambite now reports that one of the elements that will change is that the game's opening sequence will take place at night. As the publication stated in Resident Evil 4 Remake, the famous village introduction to set piece takes place at night, as does a decent proportion of the rest of the game. Uh, I've also reported that Capcom hopes to reveal the game this year. I think for myself personally, like Resident Evil 4 is definitely in like my probably top five games of all time. So to hear stuff like this, um, kind of actually looking forward to it that they that they are going to try and change it up a bit. Like because I appreciate what they did with you know Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake that they weren't exactly one-to-one um but more sort of updated for a you know a modern age and change the story here and here and there um so i think with stuff like this like hearing that that set piece is going to be at night like it was already terrifying for me when i first played it and that was during the daytime so to do something like that at night instead it's going to be bonkers does i mean obviously i've never played him because i'm a wuss but does <laughs> village does that incorporate a lot of things from Fort then? So would it would they be a massive departure from it? Um or would it be similar, should I say? I mean I could I can certainly see elements that they could take from village. Um like well, I imagine if they were to remake it it would be um an over the shoulder camera, similar to kind of how Resident Evil 4 first incorporated it in the series. Um but I can I can certainly see stuff like um Maybe have the the AI of the, um, I suppose the werewolf creatures incorporated in, because um, they very much like to kind of swarm you all at once and, and kind of try and cut you off if you like going around like the backs of some of the village houses and stuff. There could be other stuff as well. Uh, just, just trying to think what they could really do from village. 
certainly a lot of like maybe the textures and then architecture stuff could could definitely share um some stuff um, lady d mm, i mean <laughs> I, I, would very, I would be sales. very i'd be very surprised yeah. if, you watch uh, sales skyrocket when you announce that well <laughs> could, could i say she could appear i don't know I, i'm not going to spy on from from village but a younger video, version video, of her she appeared i could, I could yeah. see it's video games could always happen uh <laughs> yeah i mean if they really want to like link everything that they're trying to do with these remakes seems to be making more of a coherent story and that everything kind of matches up and stuff um i could i could see it maybe um but certainly some of the enemies at least they, they could share certain things but no I, i'm definitely looking forward to finding out more of this game in uh, real life see the first trailer and see what it looks like and then force Mark to play one of them. Yep. Hey, you can and watch me stream Village eventually when I do it, Mark. See what it's like. <laughs> yeah, then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll log on and then you'll see it. You'll, you'll <laughs> kick off. And this then is quit. it. I'll give you some too hard this time. Right, I'll uh, I'll, I'll finish mine a little bit um, on maybe a bit of sad, surprising news, probably between myself and Mark. Cause I'm sure we're both looking looking forward to this. Um, but it's been reported that uh, Rocksteady's Suicide Squad, uh, Kill the Justice League, has reportedly been delayed till 2023. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm surprised to hear that, considering from what what we've what we saw um, late last year, was it? Yeah. Um, but like it was it was steadily looking pretty good for like what they were putting together and stuff. Seeing yeah, some like you know the gameplay of of the four characters that you play as. I wonder why they've they decided this, unless it's just they've been struggling with. There must be reasons, but to be honest, it's mm. it's fine. <laughs> Keep yeah, like this. I would, yeah, plenty of things a, to play. You know, a delayed game is is a better game. Eventually, be better. Usually, <laughs> yeah, not always. Cyberpunk. <laughs> um, yeah, bit surprising. I think Warner Brothers did did have to sort of come out and reiterate that um, the release dates for. Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy are going to meet their target for this year. Mm. So whether or not maybe they, they, they're going to try and space their games, maybe this could be an idea. Maybe. Don't maybe. do an EA. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the next game from Warner Brothers is Lego Star Wars. That's the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Can't say it properly. So look forward to that. So Shame, but... If it needs to be delayed, better to do that than not at all. Right, just finish off with a, a few little tidbits. So, Elon Musk. Who's he? So, billionaire Tesla bloke who wants us all to go around floating around in space and all that. Cubbins. Oh. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he... Do you remember the thing he created, this thing called a Cybertruck? Yeah. <laughs> so, it was a futuristic car thing, and then when they demonstrated it, uh, he said, bulletproof oh, and, windows. Yeah, the bulletproof windows. Try and shatter these, and then some bloke threw some at it and smashed them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mr. Musk put out a tweet, and it simply said this: "Halo Infinite campaign is good." So then, Xbox marketing general manager Aaron Greensberg replied with the following: "Now we just need a warthog and Cybertruck in real life collab, praying hand emoji." <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it seems like Elon slung him a deafen and ignored that request. So, what could have been? Maybe. Well, it's already in production. Oh. Elon's busy on the production line setting this thing up. 
probably just went straight into it. Who knows? But yeah. But sticking with Halo, do you want to know the recipe for Master Chief Chili? Yeah, go on then. Next Chili. Yeah. So Halo Master Chief's uh, voice actor, Steve Downs, uh, shared his recipe for Master Chief Chili online. So according to Downs, these are the official ingredients for it. You need two pounds of ground beef, one 28-ounce can of tomatoes, two 8-ounce can of tomato sauce, one 15-ounce can of kidney beans, one large potato diced, and one large onion grated. You may notice there, there was no jelly involved. But, yeah, wait, what? This is, but this is the recipe. So apparently it's combined ground beef and grated onion, brown in pot, add tomatoes and sauce with a little water, salt and pepper, simmer for two hours, add beans and tomatoes and then simmer for two more hours, let it cool, refrigerate overnight, skim the excess grease from the top. To double this, you use three pounds of ground beef and double all the other ingredients and salt and pepper to taste. You may not need to double, it's up to you. So there you go. Are you going to go and do Wait that? A minute. What happens to potato? Um, let me read that again. Da, 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 da. Yeah, add the beans and and potatoes as simple for two more hours. Oh, right. I didn't hear that one bit. I was just like, wait, what? Well, just just there for show. Yeah. I don't know if I'd have a potato in, uh, in a chili anyway. That's, that's not one. That's the secret ingredient, though. Is it? Got to have that in there. Otherwise, it's not Master Chief chili. Clearly. Yeah. I don't know why I left that one out. It's just Master Chief Hot Pot, what is it? I'm going to say, it's not a chilli, is it, at this point? <laughs> Master Chief Tomatoes. This is a Chief's large thing. Spaghetti Bolognese with our spaghetti. <laughs> Bean stew, that's what it is. Bean okay. stew. Right. And finally, I'll take you to the wonderful world of the Brazilian TV. Stay with me. So on, on a Brazilian news broadcast, they did a feature on driving tests in limousines in order to become the driver for the US president. Okay. So, you know, like high-speed evasive manoeuvres and that kind of thing. You know, kind of mm. thing that the CIA would probably have to do to drive the president. Yeah, yeah. And they showed footage of a limousine being driven backwards at high speeds uh, around a racetrack. And these news anchors were, like, saying things like, oh, look at the things they have to do. You know, this footage is amazing. The footage they were showing turned out to be Forza Motorsport. <laughs> they didn't have a clue. But, yeah. I would encourage you to go watch that. It's quite funny. But, oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so, someone was trolling them that day. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my troll. God. I thought you were going to say that they'll just like reverse the footage and it was someone going around the track <laughs> like forwards. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, ah. And I guess that's the news. So, shall we briefly just chat about something we did yesterday? Yeah. So, yesterday we went and saw the new Uncharted movie. What's that about? Thoughts. It was just a pretty standard game film, to be honest. It was like just your copy and paste action film. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. I didn't dislike it. It was fine. I think 43% on Metacritic is a little bit harsh. I think it's a bit better than that. Mm, Maybe, yeah. But I did not see either of them as those characters, though. I just saw Tom Holland being Tom Holland. And Mark Wahlberg being Mark Wahlberg. Nothing yeah. sprung to me about either of them being those characters. I think Mark was probably the worst of the two. I, just, I, I didn't get like much Sully out of him. Yeah, I think it's because you imagine Sully being this older guy, don't you? And he's just, he's just yeah. not. 
I think that's it, isn't it? I think I can I can sort of see why why they've gone with like okay, his it's like the young Nathan Drake's adventures sort of thing. I can see why they've done it done it that way. Well, that's a, that's how they tried to pass off not having like a you know someone else obviously played him. Mm. But then it also confused me because they had an even younger Nathan Drake in it. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit confusing, yeah. A little bit. Well, they had a cat in it, so that was good. Yeah, they had a cat. Yeah. I mean, it did take some, some elements from the games, I think. Mm. I mean, have you, you've not really played them, have you, Nathan? Uh, no. No. There are certain bits that I do recognise. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything, but I remember auction. I think that was part of the game somewhere. Yeah, it was the fourth one. I think it's probably taken most things from the fourth and the things it did. Ships. Uh, yeah. Was, I think that was fourth as well. I think there was a church in the fourth one as well. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh. But I don't think it was. It wasn't a copy and paste of the plot, though, was it? No, 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 no. Um, it was definitely like a new plot. Yeah. So that was. And obviously- I mean, obviously, the clear thing was the um, the airplane sequence from... Is that, is that Uncharted 2, that one? No, 3? Three. 3. Drake's Fortune, is it? Uh, yes, I think it is. It's basically all the things flying out of the back of the plane, and he's clinging onto it. Uncharted players will instantly know that is. Yeah. But I'm calling it now the next film. This could be a next film, because that's how this works. We're going to have the train crash bit from Uncharted 2. We'll do the train yeah, I'm calling it that. They're gonna have the bit where he's climbing up the train. It's gonna happen. Could do. I can't. I can't think. Of, I can't remember much of like what happened in the first game that that, that they could take. Because I don't think the first one had the supernatural things in, didn't it? The um. Yeah. I can't remember what they were called now, but the things that crawled about, and I didn't like that bit of the game to be honest. <laughs> no. No, neither did I. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. I think the action set, set pieces were pretty good. I've seen like a little bit of like the behind the scenes and how like they filmed that and uh, green screen. Ex- yeah, <laughs> lots of green screen. I imagine. A lot of green screen. All over that. A lot of. Uh, You're telling me the boat aren't real. Stuff. Sorry to break the illusion, Nath, but yes. I don't believe it. You're lying. Right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the magic alive for you. It was all real. There was no fakery at all. I thought so. I've got a keen eye, and I would have seen something like that. Do you think it's it's got a place in film at the moment? You know, obviously Indiana Jones is it? Well, I say Indiana Jones is it a thing now, but uh, there's a new one in the it's works. Isn't one. So I do think it's got a place. I think it's more of an introduction to these are the type of films we can expect from Sony and PlayStation to come out because near the start it did kind of push the the PlayStation characters as a whole. Yeah. The, Productions. I, I really liked that that, that that logo thing at the beginning. Mm. Really good. Mm. So just need the rocks. God of War game. Uh, God of War yeah. film. Sorry, to come next. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's busy filming Call of Duty, isn't he? Yeah. So apparently. So yeah, that's that's what our thoughts on that film. It's fine. Harmless. Not the worst video game film. For sure. Yeah, that's that's very true. All right, shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Yes. 
Do you want to start, Matt? Shall I start? Yeah. Okay. Nothing really new uh, this time around. Hey. Not much of either. I've only I've only been playing two games over the last two weeks. So uh, I'll start with my usual parity adventures on on Sea of Thieves. Not much really new to report other than like I, I seem to have like a, a new story of whenever we play. So one particular highlight that we did, we'd me and my friends we just finished a um, one of the missions you can get where you, you have to fight these like spectral ships or ghost ships uh, and then you end up finding like uh, like a more like the pirate ones where it's like surrounded by three like two other ships so it's, it's a, it can get a bit difficult especially when you have to fight against the wind as well if you wanted to like sail back around and you're going against the wind and then you've just got two ghost ships at either side of you just taking shots so you're going to get get under get under the brig and um repair stuff and bail the water out which can be a bit of a nightmare sometimes but we managed to get over it so we did that um handed in all the treasure that we got from there and we'd noticed there was like a what's called, what's called like a, a grade five reaper emissary which is, is another human like crew but like the point of reapers in, in their emissary is essentially just to sort of hunt down other humans and take their ship out and stuff and steal their things. So we would like hand everything and was like, you know what, screw it. We, we need we need some practice in, in fine PvP, so we'll we'll take the ship on. So we, we sailed all the way over to an island that's called Reaper's Hideout, which is where you can hand in all like uh, treasure and stuff to the Reapers. And we saw that they were kind of anchored at the island. Um, so we decided to like sail by very slowly and, and take some pot shots because I don't think they were on. We didn't think that they were on their ship, though they might have just been handing in stuff in. But they quickly put their sails up and uh, we had started a little bit of a dogfight. I was sailing uh, our ship while my teammates were taking shots at cannons. And at one point I got injured quite badly. So I like took some hands off the wheel decided to heal myself, not realising that I'd put a hard lock left on the wheel and was going straight into the island. Nice. So almost parked onto the island, uh, which was a bit of a travesty. Uh, had to like go under and repair as much as possible so we didn't sink. Um, luckily enough, the Reapers had kind of sailed away to, away from us to repair anything, so they didn't really take advantage of my... Uh, my parking skills of a boat but we soon kind of co-opted them um i think we'd managed to sort of take out one of the masts so they weren't getting far away from us caught up start blasting them again one of my mates think jumped onto their ship and apparently heard over over the voice chat that the other guys were, were giving up or something because we managed to sink them pretty quickly um which was a bit of a surprise i don't know if we we just killed them off the ship or Maybe they'd scuttled their own ship and, and left the game, which would sink it. But we got a good chunk of like treasure that they'd like gone throughout the game off that ship. Like it, it got to a point where some of it was starting to sink, so we had to like go under and like keep it afloat before it so it didn't like despawn away. But there must have been like about 150, 200,000 gold that we managed to get from all this treasure. 
So that was that was pretty uh, pretty good spoil oh. for us. <laughs> I got Nathan Drake here. Yeah, I got Nathan Drake here. Uh, but I get to keep the gold. So although to be fair, I did get to keep some of it as well, which made Sully very happy. Anyway, so we did that, and that was uh, that was a fun little thing we did. Did there? There's not not much else we really talk about from Sea of Thieves. It's just typical piratey stuff that happens. I just like to mention sort of one story that we do from it that was which was pretty good. The only other game that I've been playing over the last two weeks uh, is probably no surprise to to many. It's been Pokemon Legends Arceus. I've got about 60 hours into it, and I've completed I've completed the main story to it, and there is a good good amount of post content poster content I should say to it which I'll not I'll not spoil too much because I know Nathan's slowly making his way through through the game yeah slow um, is a bit of an understatement in comparison <laughs> to you anyway yeah but no I, I I have really enjoyed my time on the game so far I probably want to say it's uh, like I don't want to lump it to like the main series but sort of Outside of any Pokemon game that I've played, it's probably my favourite one. Really enjoyed kind of the overworld aspect to it, going from each area, just making your way, catching Pokemon or, or battling them if you need to. And just like the amount of like freedom the game gives you, and kind of doing what you want. Like you could do the story and, and fly for it, and that's great. Or you could start filling up the Pokedex and doing all the different stuff you need to do to do to complete that. You know catch x amount of pikachus or see them use thunderbolt about 25 different times uh, i just like how they've how they've structured the the pokedex in the way that you can sort of do that and there's, and there's different objectives to fill up pokemon's pokedex which is really nice but at the moment i'm just going through trying to get all the these like wisp tombs to collect because there's like 107 to collect so at the moment I'm just trying to get all them done, find all the unknown Pokemon, and find all the old verses as well. Because it's like getting the old verses adds a good amount of lore to the game as well, which I'm really enjoying. And yeah, I uh, I, I kind of hope they they stick to this kind of structure. I kind of want to see like a, a hybrid for the main series, where it's like the focus is still gym badges, Pokemon League with a, mi- a mixture of overworld of like okay this is how you're going to catch pokemon now maybe not too much focus on the pokedex maybe a little streamlined maybe just catch x amount battle x amount or something like that but i, I think for sure uh, the future of pokemon looks um a lot brighter after this game so no looking forward to it yeah i just, i think it's really added a lot more to to it and i i wouldn't be totally averse to as you say, just having like the normal formula, but having this alongside it in one game, because then you can choose what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Like I certainly see like, well, I'm trying to figure out story-wise how they would do sort of a next one, because a lot of it is about time travel. Like you've you've you know trying to not spoil too much about it, but you know you the the character that you play as kind of seems to fall through time like you go back into the past to kind of relive history as as it was and kind of learn the the sort of lore and like different clans and and stuff like that so trying to think like if it wasn't for Arceus how does 
a new Legends game kind of gets made. But that's what I'm, I'm sure they can figure some out, I'm sure. Well, they can do whatever they want, can't they? They well, can like, yeah. right, Arceus appears in Johto, off you go. Yeah. Back to Johto from 500 years ago. Copy and paste like what... Pokemon Legends ho Trying to think like which region I'd probably like to see as a next Legends game. I feel like maybe maybe call uh is it Kalos? Yeah. I think I think I'd like to see what I could do with that. Go back in time for that that area. And maybe tell the whole story of like, you know, the, the guy who's apparently lived for hundreds of years, maybe in like seeing the origin of like how he was in his in uh, in Kalos and stuff. Well, it could be potentially his story from when he was a kid. That'd be oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all that's all we're playing. So, uh, what about you, Nathan? What have you been playing? Yeah. So, firstly, I ended up completing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Sadly, because I did want to try and drag it out as much as possible, because I was really enjoying it. But all good things must come to an end, and that came to an end. So I think I did it in about 10 hours in total. Just really enjoyed my time with it. And I think they've set up for a, another one. So we'll see if we get that. But if they do a sequel to it in the same vein as this one, I'll be more than happy with that. But after I finished Rushing Clank, it didn't really scratch my platforming itch as much as I wanted it to. So I was like, right, what can I play next? So I decided to play Little Big Planet on the beta. So. This is a nice little platforming game. So it starts off, they they come up with like this, they've come up with like this story. So basically you're in this circus and the circus has been taken over by this puppeteer that um, apparently he was like the best puppeteer in the land and he did it for so long he like lost his love for doing it. And and then everybody started to boo him. And because of that, he got the mump on and decided to turn evil. Um, so the circus is like this really dark environment now. Um, and you've got to go through these levels to kind of stop him and, and get to him. And that's what Sackboy does. But before we get into like the level side of it, there's a, like a, a guy called Colonel Flounder. And he's like, he helps you on your way. And he like gives you like kind of monologues on certain levels and how to do things. So he, he kind of helps you through. And uh, he's got a, an Eastern European accent. And before you get into the game, he's like, oh, what should we call you? And he's like, boy sack. And I, and I just started laughing because I've got the brain of a 12 year old. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, sack boy. And then, all right, that's your name then. But uh, once you've um, got control of your sack boy, you can kind of you can dress him up however you want. So you can like make him your own. So mine's got like a fluorescent multicolored afro and sunglasses on. Um, but as you go through levels, you find like different clothes you can put onto him, different hairstyles, different sunglasses and all that kind of stuff. So you can really have a lot of fun with like dressing up Sackboy. But I think in terms of like the gameplay, it really uses the Vita well. Um, so there's some things you can only do by using the touchscreen. So you can like drag things around the level. Um, you can collect these stickers where... You'll, you'll need to kind of select what sticker you need to use, put it over something, and then you can use the touchscreen to like change the size of it in order to get to like another section. So there is some puzzly elements to it as well. Um, you can use the back touch panel to like pull things away and push them out. So yeah, I think it's, it's a really fun game. I, I think I'm near the end of the first area. So there's about 20 levels in total. And then if you find 
a key like midway through the level then it opens up like a separate area you can go to so you do get rewarded if you go off the beaten track there are like extra things to find like clothes and stickers and these keys you can find to unlock extra levels so yeah just been having a good bit of fun with that i normally try and do like a level before i go to bed because it it's probably like 15 to 20 minutes um, per level so it's like a good bit good bit of time so yeah just really been enjoying that so far a game that matt's been playing a lot more than me so i've been playing pokemon legend arceus and just just having such a good time with exploring all the locations because each area's kind of got its own vibe its own pokemon that you can find along with the story itself now i think i've done about eight hours so far and i've got three stars so i think there's 10 in total that you can get i did end up catching a alpha pokemon so i caught this alpha pokemon it's level 45 and he won't even listen to me because i need to get my star level up <laughs> and i got to this um, point in the game where i had to go and find these two apom yeah there the, was this point in the game where i had to find these two apoms and i got to them and i had to battle them to take them back to this person as one of my tasks and basically what happened was it these apoms bodied my entire team and i'm like right i've got you now i've got my level 45 rhyhorn that's absolutely gonna take you down anyway so i say rhyhorn use flamethrower and because i'm not a high enough level it's not listening to me so it's doing nothing and then i've just got both the apoms just whistling my pokemon's health down and I ended up blacking out for the first time to a couple of apons, so that was pretty, pretty annoying. But anyway, that happened, healed up, went back, did the challenge, and carried on with the game. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like there's there's just so much more to it than previous games. Like normally, I would just focus on the main story and get my badges, become the champion. And that's it the game's done like i don't really focus on any, any of the like post-game content but with this one I f- i'm finding myself taking a lot more time and, and caring like exploring areas and um, i've got, got a few of those wisps that um, matt's currently looking for so i'm trying to find them i can remember actually i think i were at work and i, I saw a wisp on top of this rock and i used word do you yeah, where I I got on my word here so I can get to the top of it. Anyway, I'm like, oh look at that! I get to the top of it and like whiz straight off the edge into the water and end up drowning. Uh, that that was quite funny. Like, just got too excited and then ended up killing myself. But hey ho, um, I've set two noble Pokemon free so far, so I've still got a few more of them that I need to to sort out. But I'll do that as I get through the game. Um, but yeah, just been having a good time with that and i'll continue to play more now there is a particular game that i've been quite vocal about off the podcast that i don't like and i ended up buying it because it's one that you like mark and i thought to myself well if you like it then maybe i should give it another chance and it is lemmings (laughs) okay (laughs) so i've got i've got that one for psp as well yeah it's it's good. I'm glad I've given it another chance because I'll tell you where my animosity came from in terms of Lemmings. When I played it, I was about seven years old. And to a seven-year-old, Lemmings is probably not the most exciting thing. And I probably didn't understand the mechanics as well as I really should have. So that's probably where my, I don't want to say hate because I don't really hate much, but 
it's probably where that distaste for it came from. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm, I'm I've I've done a few levels, um, so I've used kind of a few of the mechanics there where you can tell a lemming to block off a certain entrance so that they can walk in the opposite direction. Um, we've used the the umbrellas so they can like float down. Uh, what else have we used? The bombs, which are pretty cool. And then a couple more bits like that, but I, I'm really enjoying it. It's the the levels are like really snappy, so you can do them. So if you if you're good and you know what you do, you can do them in like 30 seconds. But they give you like that eight to ten minute time limit, so that if you really need to think about it, you can. But if you do do it wrong, you know pretty fast if you have, because your lemmings will just die off pretty <laughs> yeah, quickly. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, and then if that happens, then you can just try again and and see how you can do things differently. But yeah, I've, I've got to say, I was totally wrong on this one. And I'm you just. Get it, when you do get it wrong, you do feel like a murderer, to be honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just to make little squeaking noises. and It's what you see them plummeting from a mile high, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I forgot to give them <laughs> the umbrellas. Yeah. And just watch them go. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was literally me on the first level. They would just yeah. float down, like, oh, no, what shall I do? Because I didn't know that you had to basically select them in order to. Um, give them the umbrellas one by one yeah so i made a mistake there but um yeah second time around did not make that mistake i even tried using the touch screen on the psp even though it's not got a touch screen <laughs> that's just how conditioned i am to being able to like click things on on the screen I'm like why is it not working but um but no it's it's good oh, thank you mark for advocating for it call of fame game hey one day one day mm-hmm. On podcast. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. What about you, Mark? All right, so uh, me and my brother, uh, we've been continuing with our bits on Far Cry 6. That seems to be our game that we're playing at the moment. Now, if you've played Far Cry games before, you'll know they have like companions. You know, so you can have like these animals who help you out along the way. Now, we all know about Teresa, the, the disabled dog. Yeah. Very cute. Uh, but there's other ones you can get. So. Basically, the other night, we just spent the time going around, just make sure we got all these animals first. We, we seem to be doing a lot of side missions and never actually getting on with just the main story. But that's just the way Far Cry seems to work. Um, so you can get like this panther-like animal and then another large dog thing. The last one we got, and the most ridiculous, was a chicken called Chickenon. This thing is psychotic. It's, it's got like nuclear radiated feet. I don't know what happened to it, but they're like its feet glows red, right? And it runs around just slashing people, okay? But then it also tear up oil drums and light the oil on fire, and they just cause mass explosions. It is insane, this thing. It's a crazy beast. So glad we picked that up. It's not very good for stealth, but <laughs> I can but, tell. But that was fun. So that's pretty much all we did on Far Cry Six. The only other game I've played is. Gears of War 2. Oh, he decides to give it another chance. Well, so, as you'll know, I wasn't exactly a fan of the first game. In fact, I really took against that game. I It was one of the most frustrating game experiences I've had in recent memory, to be honest. And, in fact, I think I might have even called it a stupid game. And I stand by that. But I did like the combat mechanics in that. That You know, the whole hiding, that kind of thing, third-person shooting, that kind of thing. Mm. And I bought the first three games all at the same time. 
because they were all on the cheap for a few quid. So I thought, right, Gears of War is popular, let's get them. And then obviously I played the first game and like, oh. <laughs> but because I bought all three of them, I kind of feel I felt obliged that I would have to play the second one. Because the first one, I did get to the end, but I quit on the final boss because it was it was awful. I, I, I really did like that game, but that's another story. Thankfully, I'm happy to report, I enjoyed this one more. I didn't find this one particularly as frustrating. It had a couple of moments. Uh, I didn't understand the plot at all. I didn't understand what was going on. I mean, at one point, we just found ourselves inside a giant worm thing. <laughs> it was like, don't know what's going off here, but all right. But I think what I don't like about I, th- I think the most frustrating parts of these games that I found are the sort of what do, do I say set piece like the segment there's a segment in that worm where you have to run between its teeth or something I don't know if you remember this but but it's like that set moment where you don't really have any control over it you've just got to yeah. go through it and hope you get through it yeah and it took me a few tries but it wasn't as frustrating as what the other the first game did to me. But no, I actually, I did enjoy it for the most part. I thought it was a bit too long. I, th- I thought it should have ended sooner. But it, it just seemed to go on and on. And I thought, oh, is this coming to the conclusion? And then it, we just had this other massive thing where we're going down a sinkhole and all this stuff. And... Oh, yeah. But I did like the um, the bit where you're riding the big thing. I can't remember what they called it now. Is this big? Oh, is it the Brumac? That might be it. Yeah, the Brumac. But you get to ride that. That was pretty cool. The running mechanic, this is one thing I don't like. The fact that you, you jog, don't you? And then when oh, you run... Oh, you're going to hold... Yeah, you hold it, and then you do this like crouch run thing. Yeah. But the camera shake on that <laughs> is so nauseating. It's just like... So I always end up just like jogging everywhere. I want to get around quicker without having to feel sick every time. And the only other complaint I've got is, why are these games so grey? Like oh, the, just the art style. It's like the well, um, I know, Fallout but, Green from back in the day. I know, but it's just like, it's just, it's, it just feels so grey and, and dirty and grim. And it's just, give me a bit of grim. I know, but give me a bit of colour. <laughs> just something. But no, it's, it's I, I managed to complete that to conclusion. You know, I, didn't, I didn't get any angry at any point, really. So I'm going to play the third one eventually because I've got to. So I might yeah. as well play it. And. But yeah, we shall see how that goes. Well, that'll conclude the final, well, the first like trilogy before they moved on to the Xbox One games. So that'll kind of give you a bit of a conclusion to that story. The story I didn't understand, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I was going to say, the thing that I didn't even realise until, well, the last few years is that you're not even on Earth. You're on this se- separate planet I battling for resource. I didn't even realise that. So, yeah, there we go. That's what I've been playing. Should we move on to a question? Yeah. Yes, let's. So the question is, what game do you consider to be the most underrated? Well, maybe most underrated is a bit of a stretch, but a game you've, you've played that you think is underrated. Go on, Matt. Kick us off. Okay. Here you go. Right. Um, I did actually, I would say I, I did struggle on this question. Because I can't think of many games that I've, I've played that I would say was underrated, or it feels like, critically at least, were, were underrated. 
I think I it's know. more about you don't hear other people really talking about it that much. That was my interpretation, anyway. Yeah, it was, it was a difficult one. So I, I tried to I tried to base this on what what seems to have kind of scored low, but I feel kind of was kind of undeservedly low. Yeah. To, or at least you know, from my opinion, yeah, playing it. So the, the one answer that I come up with. And I was actually surprised they got scored low because I, I quite enjoyed my time with the game. Was 2010's Castlevania Harmony of Despair. So I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've not heard of, of this particular Castlevania game. It, it is a sort of like a... How can I describe it? So it, it essentially takes almost kind of four levels of previous kind of Castlevania games that came for the 2D ones and makes into sort of a massive almost kind of one level maze-esque type of game where you've got 20 minutes to go through the level and try to play it basically get to you know the level's boss in effect and defeat it but it was done in a way that you could play as any any character from the series's past so you could do, you know, you could do um, Simon Belmont, you could do Trevor Belmont, there's, you know, Alucard, and there's a couple of characters from the Game Boy Advanced slash DS era as well. Then there's this Soma from the Game Boy Advance games, um, and there's there's a female character as well. But you could do it, um, you could play through it with like three other players as well. So it was, it was multiplayer, and it was, it was touted as like one of the one of, sort of the Xbox Live Arcade's bigger games when it came out because um, it, was, it was exclusive to that platform for I think like a year and then it appeared on PS3 afterwards but I really enjoyed it because the, there's a lot of aspects to it where you can level up the characters as well so you can you, know, you get better equipment as you go through the levels which will help you go, go and unlock further levels as well because um, at the start it's, it's quite difficult as Castlevania game would be. But I just I really enjoyed how they kind of spruced up the, the pixel art style as well. It's like it was more modern um at that point and I just I really enjoyed the Castlevania games. So I did like I, I liked playing it online with like random people, just going through, completing it and um just getting to the bosses and just trying to just try to defeat them really. But it only got about I think it got like a, a sixty-eight on Metacritic, which I thought was a bit unfair. Like, I wondered why critically it seems like it wasn't getting recognised as, as, as the game that I, I thought it was. Like, I thought it was good, you know, maybe 75, 80 at least. Because I, I just enjoyed it, but I was just surprised to see that it didn't do so well. <laughs> but no, that was, that was my pick. We'll go reverse from what I did last time. What was uh, what was your choice, Mark? What, what's, what do you find criminally underrated? Criminally underrated. Okay. Criminally underrated. So, <laughs> uh, my choice is a PS3 game that released in 2009, uh, which was developed by Pandemic Studios and published by Electronic Arts, and that is called The Saboteur. So The Saboteur is an open-world game that takes place during Nazi-occupied Paris during the Second World War. And you play a guy called Sean Devlin, who's an Irish racing car driver uh, and a mechanic. And through 
plot reasons, uh, he ends up joining the French Resistance in an attempt to liberate Paris from the Nazis. Now, the gameplay is a mix of like driving, running, shooting, melee combat. So all the things you'd probably expect from an open world game. And he also has like parkour skills, so it's got like um, that Assassin's Creed thing of like you can pretty much climb any wall or, mm. or build or anything like that. And generally, the idea is you shoot Nazis and blow things up because you are a saboteur. Uh, so it's set in Paris and it's divided into boroughs. And in each borough of the city, there are Nazi forces. And by doing a series of missions and weakening those forces, you end up liberating each of those areas over time. Now, the game is actually in black and white. However, when you liberate an area from Nazi occupation, that area returns to its natural colours. Okay. So, like, symbolising its hope and its freedom returning. Mm-hmm. Despite its its setting, it's not exactly an entirely serious game. I mean, it has, it has some serious points in it, because it is the Second World War. Uh, but there is about an air of absurdity about it as well. I mean, particularly the main character, Sean, is very funny. And he has like this wicked Irish wit and charm about him. And the sur- surrounding characters are amusing as well. I mean, throughout the game, he has this on and off and on again relationship with a, a woman fantastically named Skylar St. Clair. The game, do- it, it does suffer from a bit of repetitiveness, but I think it's fair to say that's probably what happens in a lot of open world games, to be honest. But I really loved it and I found it really fun and enjoyable. And I think a lot of people missed out on this. In fact, I think it might have been the first game that I ever platinumed. I mean, I really love Pandemic Studios. I mean, they made Destroy All Humans, uh, the Mercenaries games, which themselves, I think, were underrated. Um, and they made the original Star Wars Battlefront games. Yeah, well. I was going to say, I, I remember they were the ones who, uh, who was doing Battlefront. Yeah. But the Saboteur was their final game before they were liquidated by EA, mm-hmm. which for me is one of gaming's greatest crimes. I really did like that studio. And yeah, I, I just think it's a really underrated game, that. For an open world game, it's, it was just a bit different from everything we normally see. I like its time frame. Because normally you, you have a World War II game and it's just a shooter, isn't it? And that's not really what this is. Mm. But, but no, that's my choice. I think people should go play that. It's really good fun. Go on, Nath. What's yours? Mine. So mine is Fortnite. No, I'm only joking. So... Overrated. Got it wrong. <laughs> so the game that I decided to choose has been a bit underrated. Is uh, was developed by a Sobo studio and it came out on the 14th of May 2019 on the PS4 and Xbox One. Um, I talked about this on a previous podcast, but I'll, I'll just talk about it again because I I do feel it's underrated and that more people should play it. Uh, it's a uh, Plague Tale Innocence, ah. mm-hmm. uh, which I think was free on PS Plus fairly recently. So if anybody's not played it, you could have got it on there for free. So the reason I picked this is I think it was fairly, it got high critical reviews. So people and reviewers tend to enjoy it, but I don't think as many people have has played it as it deserves to have. Um, being played because I think fairly recently they came out and said oh we've sold over a million copies of this game and it's fantastic I mean yeah I don't want to take anything away from them but you should have at least 10 million in my opinion so if you've not played Plague's Tale Innocence it's set in the 14th century in France and it's 
plus the time where we had the first wave of the Black Death, and that was kind of the, the premise to it. So all these rats have got the plague, and you've got to try and find ways of not being devoured by all these rats, because for some reason there's absolutely billions of them, and they crave human flesh. So you've got to try and traverse France while trying to get away from the Inquisition that are after you and your brother. So it's you you play as two people generally, you play as Amicia, which is the um the, the girl, and Hugo, which is the young boy, but he's got an illness that you're not quite sure what it is. But for some reason the Inquisition are after him. And you find out later it's because he's got something in his blood called the macula and it allows him to control these rats. But I'm giving away a few spoilers there. But I I just think the way that the game plays, it's not something that I'd normally pick because it, it's got quite heavy stealth aspects to it because you've got to try and to sneak around these enemies, so these Inquisition um, soldiers that can basically take you out in one hit. Um, you've got to try and find your way around these rats. So this the rats don't like light, so what you can do is basically set a fire somewhere and then that'll clear a path so you can get to that certain location or if you drop some like meat on the ground it'll kind of make all the rats scurry to that location so you'll be able to get around that way so there is there's quite fairly strong puzzle elements there as well and then eventually as you move on in the game Amicia's got like a a slingshot um so that at that stage you can start trying to fight back a bit more and you, you can like equip like fire things onto your slingshot so that you've got a bit more control about your surroundings and, and getting through the game. Um, but in terms of like the, the graphical side, it looks absolutely fantastic. There's nothing that I can say. It's probably one of the, the most stunning games of 2019. Like even today, it like holds up so well. And I think with that, it's unique story and unique time period because you don't really see any games from the 14th century. At least I don't see that many. I think with that and then the story between Amicia and Hugo um, basically getting to know each other because before the game starts, Hugo had basically been locked up in a room because of his illness for all his life. So they didn't even know each other. So it's nice that story of them bonding and getting to know each other and basically trying to survive in this very harsh world. But yeah, that's that's my pick. Just think it's terribly underrated. Have we got any honourable mentions? Yeah, a close second for me. I was thinking about putting this one in, The Order 1886, mm. that came out on the PlayStation mm. in 2015. I remember oh. that being very high, so then nobody spoke about it after it released. Yeah, I mean, it had, it had really nice cinematic elements. It looked great, but I think some of the gameplay was a bit a bit janky, like the combat wasn't the best. But mm. I think the story, if you take it the story in isolation, that, that really holds up for me. Because I, I like alternate history games, and that's kind of like an alternate history, um, 1886, where basically you play as the Knights of the Round Table, and they've found some way to kind of give them more longevity. So the person that you're playing as looks like about 35, 40 year old, but he's actually over 100. And he's got to fight against these like human animal half-breeds and vampires and stuff. It's pretty cool. I remember there was a PS2 game that I played. It was called Black, which is it's a mm. first-person shooter. I can't really remember much about the plot, but one of the great things, it, but the the mechanics of the gunplay was really good. 
like one of the best, obviously, at that point that I'd ever come across. Yeah. And it had this, but, but the great thing about it, it had destructible environments. For that that time, it was really good. It was such a good game. It deserved a sequel, but it never happened. Yeah. I think there was some sort of like sort of spin-off they tried to do, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't the same. But I think it was a different. I think it was a different developer who ended up doing that, but I can't remember who he was. Mm. But yeah. It's a shame because I really liked Black. Mm. It was a real contender to like. Let's, well, <laughs> the times when Medal of Honor was the front row. In first person shooters. Yeah, why have rapids Medal of Honor? <laughs> Isn't there talk of a new one coming out? I think there is, yeah. Well, there's the uh, there's the VR one currently, isn't there? Is I don't know. Yeah, there's a Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. Okay. So it's on Oculus and it's on Steam as well. So I'm sure you could play with the the, the Steam one. Steam one. I don't know what else it's on. <laughs> well, I've got PSVR. So interested to know it exists. Yeah, apparently it takes place in Europe during World War II, uh, playing as a OSS agent and fighting the French Revolution. Respawn. Respawn have made it. Oh, really? Mm. Could be good, though, actually. You never know. I think, uh, I think if I were to do an honourable mention, uh, one that did actually pop into my head uh, was... Mercenaries 2. Yeah. Makers of uh, Saboteur. Yeah, Mercenaries 2 was great. Well yeah. in flames. Absolutely loved it. The uh, environmental destruction was like top yeah. notch for a game at that, at that yeah. point. I remember there was like one missile you could get, wasn't it? And you just destroy an entire building. Some of that. I think that they had like a, a, a I think they call it the bunker, bunker bomb. Or something yeah. Like yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think you, you had to, uh, the, it's one way you, not to try and spoil too much, but towards like I think like the final mission, like you had to get like a, a specific one. It might be that actually, or it was like a more powerful version of it that absolutely wrecked the the bunker of the antagonists at the end. But yeah. such a bonkers game that was. I loved those games because I remember I don't know if it was just in the first one or whether it was both or whatever, but they had the the um, the deck of fifty two, didn't they? Do you remember that? Where you you yes. after high profile targets. It, it, it might be in both, yeah. But might be in both. Where like yeah, you had to like take out like the number four of spades or something. Yeah, and then he just uh, worked his way up until you got the ace. Well, I say you worked up, you had to work up your way through the decks until you got to like the aces of each. Yeah. You could either catch them alive or kill them. And obviously mm-hmm. you, you get you did obviously you did better if you captured them. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so good games. Make them again. Yeah, I can't I mean, remember if they were uh, the co-op though. I, I don't, I don't remember them being co-op. I can't remember to be honest. Oh, I want to say maybe the second one was I co-op. I feel like the second one might be, but they were just yeah. good fun, really good fun uh, open world games. Yeah, they were. They were really good then. What's it? Was the first one set in like North Korea or something? I think something like that. Something like that. I can't remember where Something it's mad, weren't it? Yeah. It's like, yes, we'll have a game in, in, uh, in North Korea. What? I'd play that. You should play that. It's great. Mm. Really good good games. I think they might have been a little overshadowed by Just Cause, I think. I think the first the first one might have been out around the time. Yeah. 
just goes fine. I don't, I don't think it was any better than this. Was... No, I mean the the second one was definitely an improvement. Just cause mm. having the um, the grapple. Yeah, yeah. Make more mercenaries. I want a remake. Yeah. We need something like that. We need something that doesn't take itself so seriously. So there you have it. That's what we think are our most underrated games. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the Hall of Fame. Also feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Ta-ra. Goodbye. Goodbye.